This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL. We are rolling and I'm here with my friend Anthony, aka Home. How's it going today, man? What's up, guys? It's going good, man. Just like I said, staying super busy. Got a lot of projects flowing right now, but I'm um, mm-hmm. super excited to take this call and grateful that you invited me to this. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Excited to no. learn more of your story. I actually just a week or two ago had your brother on. So That's he's. Right. Yeah, he's the other half of Cloud People. So if uh, anyone tuned in to that episode, you know, you would be his his twin brother that we uh, referred to a number of times. And, um, you know, you're kind of, uh, as I gathered in the last podcast I did with your brother, the producer of the two, um, kind of more 
you know, electronic music producer slash DJ, and he's a little bit more of a vocalist, but both of you, yeah, use lots of really amazing sound healing equipment. And uh, we learned a lot about that in that last episode, but, you know, I'd love to hear it from your end because obviously you have your own journey with all of this stuff. Um, Even though, you know, you guys are twins, I'm sure that the journeys are slightly different, you know? Um, Slightly is an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Our journeys are very different. And I love that you, I love that you did the episode with Brent on the last one and how the whole twin dynamic thing happening. I'm sure people watching or listening are going to be confused, which has been an (laughs) ongoing thing our entire life. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I I bet. And, and the first time, you know, I met you guys, uh, I had that confusion too, because I was, I saw, you know, I probably saw you and then I saw Brent and I was like, damn, he changed really quick. Like, (laughs) His clothes, like, yeah. oh, he has multiple outfits. But then I saw you again later and you were back in the same outfit. And I was like, wait, what is happening? <laughs> like, this got a flash? Like, what's going on? <laughs> but yeah. I started to figure it out. But uh. it's funny, man. People like, uh, people get so concerned or worried about like offending us or, you know, they think it's like a big deal when they don't get our names right. Like, we never care. Like, none of us ever have a problem with it. Yeah. That's funny. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, so yeah, I was introduced to you through the sound of sacred. Actually, um, I came to a number of your events, uh, your first probably couple of, uh, ecstatic bass events and I had a blast. And, you know, from there we've kind of been catching each other at different events and, um, we did collaborate on the last, uh, ecstatic bass event. So, that's kind of how I've I've been learning about you, but I, I also believe I heard about you through working with Ben Holt, who releases music with Time Wheel. Um, you yeah. produce uh, or like master his stuff, or you did in the past, right? Yeah, yeah, I still do whenever he sends me stuff. But yeah, for the past like year and a half, I've been mixing and mastering his his music. Nice. Yeah, and he told me about you and Time Wheel and everything about that like a long time ago before mm-hmm. I knew who you were and. Um, yeah, it's just cool how how the timeline kind of played out and how you showed up at our event. And now we just like see each other at festivals and right. we're just like, I feel like we're on the same frequency a lot of Absolutely. the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful to meet more and more people on this frequency because, you know, at the beginning of this all, like my first few episodes of the podcast, even I didn't know hardly anyone in this realm um, other than like mm. my mentor and his group of friends, you know, like the guy that uh, Mitch Schultz, he produced the the DMT, the Spirit Molecule film. Um, you know, yep. I was hanging out with him, interning under him, and eventually got a got a job working with him. And he and his like crowd of friends were like the only people I knew that were into psychedelics and spirituality and where those worlds intermingle. But uh, I've been grateful to meet more and more people, you know, like yourself over the past probably two or three years. And I feel like it's probably been there all along, but it's just kind of, it was the underworld and it's become much more acceptable and mainstream to kind of be open about, you know, psychedelics or our spiritual um, way that we go about life. So to start this off, dude, I was just curious, how, how did this kind of spiritual journey happen for you because we all Hmm. come to it a different way. Some people are, I I was initiated into it through psychedelics and having to figure out what the hell happened to me because I didn't know any of that shit was possible. And now I'm believing in a spiritual realm and that I have a spirit and all these types of things. But yeah, for yourself, how do you think the spiritual journey started to unfold for you? Hmm. Yeah. So my journey started when I was 18. I'm 37 now. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was 18, I just got out of high school and I was with a group of like 10 other dudes. We all got like a bunch of mushrooms. It was all of our first time doing mushrooms. None of us had any experience, no prep, no nothing. Mm -hmm. We just knew that, you know, an eighth of mushrooms was like the dose to take and drink a bunch of orange juice to intensify it. So, (laughs) you know, me and like three other cars full of dudes, we all drive to the mountains at like midnight, basically, which is already kind of like not the best stage to to set up for our first mushroom journey. Um, So we took a full eighth, downed a bunch of orange juice and 
basically what happened was it was a, it was like an eight hour journey and probably 90% of it was pretty intense and, and not really fun. Uh, it was just like stimulus overload to the max, uh, a lot of fear, a lot of like looking in the darkness and like not see not able to tell what's happening in front of me. I just see all these like weird images, but there was a half an hour, I would say a chunk of that experience where I had, I had the kind of pop experience in my mind. Like my consciousness just blew open. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. I remember just like standing at the top of a mountain and like looking at the horizon, seeing these like mountainscapes and seeing these like long, like octopus tentacles kind of waving. And I was just kind of like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. But in that moment, while I was feeling that I was also like just feeling my mind expand beyond what it's ever known before. Um, so I remember the next morning driving home, it was like an all nighter. So like the sun was coming up, we were driving home and I remember the trees, just everything, everything around me just looked vibrant and alive. And I'd never had, it's like brand new eyes, you know, I'm sure you know that, that feeling. Um, so life never looked the same. And pretty much from that point, my journey just kind of continued picking up books here and there. I think my mom gave me a Tony Robbins book when I was like 19. So like a year later. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first book I ever read, like willingly front to back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then like, from there, it led to like Eckhart Tolle books, Power of Now, uh, New Earth. A New Earth actually really, really changed my life back when I was like 1920. Uh, I read like half of it uh, in Barnes and Noble. I remember sitting there and just like getting through half the book. So I was, like, I was there for like four hours at least. Um, and then, yeah, do you want me to continue kind of through the timeline? Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, reading those books really did did a lot. And then basically, I ended up working for Tony Robbins for four years. Uh, me, my wow. brother, my sister, and my mom all worked for Tony Robbins for like a handful of years. Uh, that changed my life. And I think Tony Robbins is a super great gateway to personal development and, and an opening to where it can go. Yeah. Um, now, now being where I'm at in my life now, it, it looks, it feels like such a thing in the past that, that, you know, is outdated to me, mm-hmm. but I think it's an incredible thing for people that are just exploring their minds or how to like better themselves. Um, but after the Tony Robbins job, my mom, who actually is quite the catalyst, you'll you'll hear throughout the story. She's a huge catalyst in all of our lives, my brother, sister, and I. Mm-hmm. Um, she introduced us to ayahuasca. Wow. So she brought us to our very first ayahuasca journey. Um, and then after that first ayahuasca ceremony, the next morning, I was sitting in this guy's yurt, and I was surrounded by all these different instruments, like different world instruments that I've never seen or heard of before. Um, I didn't know what a tongue drum was at the time. And mm-hmm. for people who don't know what that is, a steel, steel drum, you play with the mallets. I'm sure you've seen or heard of it. Yep. Um, I remember just gravitating towards that and pulling it towards me. And I played it for like an hour and a half straight and just like hearing, again, kind of like the new eyes, but this time I had new ears after the Aya journey. <laughs> and my ears just like, were, I was hearing these like frequencies and hearing this like tonality from this drum and it totally mm-hmm. blew my mind. And uh, that's what kicked off the whole sound healing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a like guitar driven, like pop rock into progressive rock into metal, uh, in my earlier, like basically all my twenties, yeah. um, was super into that. So like somewhere around close to my thirties, like late twenties, uh, the sound healing thing kind of came online post the first IO journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much there, man, enough said, like, yeah, just, just been kind of dipping my toes into different medicines throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stories in my twenties too, here and there where I've done mushrooms over, over and over again. Um, and kind of slowly learned how to respect it and not, not be always like slam dunk a huge dose and like trip out. Right, um, right. you know, it's been a journey to like really respect and have the reverence for it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the essence of it. Right. Yeah. The rest, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super resonate with that story for sure. Um, it's been interesting to learn how many people come to the spiritual path through psychedelics, but also through other means. Um, I really do relate to that mushroom story as that was my initiation as well, um, which I won't tell the whole thing because I've probably told it a hundred times already on my podcast, but I can really relate to the new eyes, you know, just like seeing the world as if for the first time. Um, And especially after the effects, you know, of the trippiness started to wear off, that was what was the most interesting is like the most interesting part was after the journey. Mm, I mean, the yeah, journey is the afterglow. Yeah. The afterglow, the journey itself was 
something else, you know, don't get me wrong. But yeah, that afterglow for me lasted for weeks. Um, <laughs> and that's how I started to believe in consciousness having levels and that it wasn't just like psilocybin in my brain making me kind of uh, feel as if I was this higher level because clearly the, the psilocybin leaves your body at a certain point, probably yeah. the next day, you know, um, and I was still at this higher level of consciousness for weeks after um, oh, yeah. where I could, I could just see colors, hear deeper sounds when I would go in my headphones, whole worlds would unfold, you know, um, before my third eye or whatever we want to call it, you know? Um, so I super relate to that. And to get into your mute, your history with music and producing, um, tell me a little bit about how, you know, this spiritual unfolding in your life started to show itself through the music that you're, you're creating, but also the music that you're listening to and getting inspired by. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My music journey that has been such an evolution, like it's, it's kind of wild. Um, one thing I, I think I feel like I've learned about myself in my lifetime as an adult and my music journey is I'm always seeking the most envelope pushing music out there, like the most cutting edge, like people that are just really pushing the kind of boundaries. And uh, I tend to fall and gravitate towards um, like subgenres and like outer skirts of like less popular in the in the mainstream, which I know you do too. Yep. Um, but as far as like my spiritual journey, I would say like, like when I was doing the ayahuasca, I've done like eight total ceremonies in my life, but I haven't done them in quite a number of years. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was a pocket where I did it for like two years. I did like those eight ceremonies. Um, and I think during that time, it kind of changed the way I listened to music. And I started discovering new artists like Closey was like, I think the first one that, that I came across that had that like tribally sounds and kind of earthy vibe to it that just, but also that banging, like hard hitting bass. Yep. Uh, you know, and it did something, it hit that spot in my, in my chest that music does sometimes. Yeah. Um, but even before that, like, I mean, Skrillex was probably my introduction to bass music, like mm -hmm. for like back in the day and the, you know, um, nice sprites or whatever that album was, that was like my first time ever, like hearing dubstep and liking it. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, so I'd listen to like, I remember like listening to, to random like UK dubstep for a while, like buying like compilation CDs, like mm -hmm. right before that CDs like phased out <laughs> completely. Um, and then, yeah, Closey was like the kind of got me into that realm. And then that opened up a portal to all the, you know, like other kinds of conscious-esque type medicine style type base. Yeah. Um, but really it was, I would say Charles I was definitely the biggest influence that really rocked me like to my core. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I ever heard Kira, his first track. I was in Bali and Man. a friend, um, she made, she made a video with a, with a few other girls doing like an interpretive dance flow to the song. And I remember hearing that song and I was like, I've never heard anything like it. Totally yep. hits the mark for like envelope pushing, like, you know, um, so got super obsessed with his music. Yeah. Um, and that, that got me, I've always been making music throughout this timeline. Like basically my whole life I started producing when I was probably 21. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so back then, you know, for about 10 years I was producing like rock music and guitars and stuff. Um, but probably 2011 is when I started getting into electronic and buying my first like beat pad, like the native instruments machine, yeah. um, exploring with like plugins and sounds and that, that kind of opened up a whole nother world. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. That's, and then, that's and, crazy. yeah, Charles the first probably is the one that got me into like wanting to actually produce bass music Yeah, where before I was just kind of making electronic, it was bassy and by nature cause I had a, a sub in it. Mm -hmm. Um, but he kind of opened my mind to actually sculpting the bass to do like really cool things and all yeah. the, all the trippy, you know, shit that he does. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Charles really was, you know, game changing and in the sense of my scope as what I can appreciate because we all know what happened with Charles, which is super unfortunate. Um, but you know, long live the King, but, um, yeah, he, he definitely freaking changed the game for me as well. And, 
uh, helped me get into that whole bass music scene. And it was crazy because, you know, you start to think that it's almost impossible to become big in electronic music because who we think is big is like Dead Mouse or mm. Skrillex or these kind of like giant ultra A-list celebrity type people. Like what Charles showed me was that there was like an underground scene that you could become big in. And then I just mm-hmm. saw other people popping off in, in the same way. And uh, I think that's such a cool thing because it it's like a tighter knit community. Like people start to know each other going to shows and it's not just this radio music. But uh, yeah, it really makes it feel more approachable as a producer that we could, you know, headline a festival and in the way that we looked up to these producers doing as we were coming up saying like, I want to do that someday. So I really love that, you know, all these promoters and event producers and, you know, the musicians are able to provide that kind of inclusive element, Mm. giving them a chance and a platform to get out there. And I think that's kind of what time wheel likes to do as well, which is cultivate like, uh, yeah, that type of, that type of support, um, for people who are, who are newer to music, but still coming up, but you could, uh, get your music out there and get it heard in an independent way. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And a lot of these artists like Charles the first and all these, all the, all the artists surrounding that space, they're, the pioneers, you know, they're the people that make it super cool in the underground. And like, there's people like us that like seek all the underground shows, like the small, like grimy yeah. clubs and venues to catch these artists at. Um, and they're kind of just like sculpting and paving the way for what may become the mainstream, you know, later yeah. or is becoming the mainstream now in a lot of ways, like, you know, mm-hmm. everything like liquid strangers doing and Wakan and how he's, really ma- putting a huge like magnifying glass on the base and like medicine base kind of world. Right. Um, it's, it's just fucking amazing, dude. It's like, I don't even know where it's going to be in 10 years from now. Like I, I, I trip myself out all the time. Like where is music going to be 10 years from now? Right. Um, uh, and you know, I'm always, I'm always seeking that, that underground vibe. I tend to like, there is that part of me where like, if it gets, it gets a certain level of cool, I, I kind of check out from it. I'm like, all right, the whole world loves it. Then I'm going to look for the other new thing. That's kind of cutting edge. Right. Uh, but 100%. Yeah. As far as cloud people, you know, we kind of got a deep dive, uh, with your brother, uh, Brent, but in your words, you know, how, how would you say, you know, what is the, the kind of mission of, of cloud people and, and what you're aiming to do with, uh, with that? Mm. Yeah, the mission with cloud people, I mean, simply put, like, it's just for us to put up, put our best foot forward in the experiences that we curate for people in the sound healing or sound journeys, we like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're always explaining to people that we're, we don't really call ourselves sound healers. We create the space for people to do the healing, the container you know, through which people ha- find their own healing and their, and their own kind of um, experience. But um, yeah, our, our mission is just to channel spirit through what we do in those moments. Like when we do our sound healings, we don't really plan much of anything. We don't plan like a set. Mm-hmm. We don't have an order necessarily. Sometimes we talk a little bit about this would be cool before that. Um, but I think what, what excites Brett and I as cloud people as uh, in the sound healing space or at least for me, what really excites me is um, one, always using an array of instruments mm-hmm. uh, j- just because for me personally, like aside from who I'm playing with, I, I need to like, I need variety. I need to have a, mul- a multi-sensory experience. Like I mm-hmm. could never just be the sound healer, sound healer that does like, just like singing bowls and like a flute, like here and there for the whole experience. Like I, we, we both really like to use lots of instruments, yeah. you know, so we'll like change every 10 minutes and it'll be an hour thing. So that's like, you know, yeah five to six different change-ups right um and yeah our goal is really just to give people the the best container that they can possibly be in so they can go as deep as they can go and find whatever healing they need move whatever energy is stuck or blocked and um you know give them something that's unique yeah thousand percent yeah i thought it was really well done and then um on the second Second time I came to to y'all's event, you were even using guitar, which was interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know guitar could be so kind of uh, healing as well. You know, like I don't think most of us really think of a, a guitar as a sound healing instrument, but in the mm-hmm. way that y'all were using it, super atmospherically, it definitely had um, a tonality of familiarity, but also, yeah, just this like aura of healing you know what i mean Mm. yeah well yeah and it really just comes down to like every instrument every piece of music has the ability to pull out an emotion Mm -hmm. from somebody based on how you're playing it so you know with the guitar if you're playing like really gorgeous chords in a a beautiful progression it'll make people feel things you know it'll Mm -hmm. make them feel like some kind of feeling inside them like they they never thought of that of something that way or that kind of a new perspective Mm -hmm. um and all, all instruments offer that, which is what my obsession is in the sound healing space is like anything I can get my hands on to create an experience. And yeah. a lot of it has to do with like entertaining myself in a way, you know, like I could never just do one thing the same time on repeat over and over. Mm-hmm. I would get so fucking utterly bored. <laughs> so I have to kind of like keep it interesting. It's like, I'm doing it for myself and I'm also doing it for the audience. Yeah, you know, because they're everyone's having their own individual experience, and I'm also having my individual experience, which is to, you know, find something new, discover a new sound, be in that free flow kind of experience without like structuring things or like knowing what I'm going to do. I don't like knowing what I'm going to do ever. Yeah, yeah, that's where I thrive the best. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, I heard that just recently, actually, from this yoga teacher that I, I, you know, I take his classes online and he said the same thing which is he never plans his his yoga set he just shows up and channels and because uh it just feels so much more fulfilling to kind of be there in that um flow state of what's the word where you're just kind of like coming off the dome you know um I mean, that's, that's, that's where spirit is being channeled. You know, it's like channeling in a way. Mm-hmm. Improvisation, I think is what I was. Improv. Yeah. Yeah. Improv. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and home, um, that's where you're producing actual beats. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So home is my, my moniker for all things, electronic music, mm-hmm. uh, which could be medicine based could also be house music. Sometimes I'll, I'll make a house track that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, I've actually recently, just in the past couple of weeks, thought about creating a new moniker just for like the really nasty, like stank face kind of bass. Because <laughs> uh, home, home likes to be, home likes to be like an array of different sounds. Like, it like it's it's a kind of like a more of a higher vibe experience. Like I'll do like a high vibe house track, and then I'll still do mm-hmm. bass with it, but it's a different kind of bass. And I feel like I want to create something else to separate, so I can just go straight, just nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, funny. so that's a thought I had. Yeah, love it, man. How did you come up with that word, home, H-O-H-M? Yeah, so that actually, I have to give that credit to my wife, Gloria. Gloria was the the creator of that. So back when we were first hanging out, before we were dating, um, like over five years ago, she she was in a shuttle bus and needed a place to uh, park it for a month. So I had her park it in front of my house. (laughs) <laughs> and she sat in my room one time and this is before I had any like musical thing like off the ground in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just in my, in my closet, so to speak. And like, I had like 200 songs in my vaults of my, my hard drive. And yeah. she was sitting in my room and I was just going through all these songs and showing her some of the stuff I've been working on. And mm-hmm. she was like, wow, oh, I love your music so much. And we do got to talking about like what my name should be. And mm-hmm. she's like, what do you feel like? She's like, what do you, do you feel like home? <laughs> and right away, I was like, ooh, home. That's actually pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, of course, the ohm with the H in the front. So just changed the spelling and, right. you know, really resonated th- with the whole meaning of that. Totally. So, what is the meaning of that? Like, you just mean ohm, like the primordial frequency? Exactly. Got That's it. Exactly what I mean. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, the, 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 the sound of the universe, the language of the universe. Right. And that's, that's where I dwell and thrive the most in that space mm-hmm. of creating sounds through the fabric of the universe and creating experiences through it. So, yeah. um, that's that word ohm just really embodies what I feel most excited in this existence. Yeah. Uh, and then home, the, the, the home part really just for me means, um, like I want my music to make people feel the home within themselves, whatever mm-hmm. that means, which home can mean, 
just feeling in your authentic like space, like you, where you just feel like relaxed and you feel like you can just be yourself and you're, you're not anxious or you don't feel some kind of stress. Like you're, you're, you know, feeling connected to spirit or source or whatever. Right. Um, that's home. So I want my music to kind of capture that, which is again, uh, why I want to potentially make a new moniker for the really dark and grimy bass. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have such a love for that, but I don't know if mixing, mixing all these different genres in one name makes sense. So that's just something I've been playing sure. with. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Glad to learn more about that. Um, and for the listeners, uh, I actually had Gloria on as well. Uh, the episode, um, with glow G L O, which is like her artist alias. Um, she's a singer producer as well. That was super cool. If you guys want to learn about her guys, go check that episode out. Um, but you also create music for a sound bed. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's right. That's like a brand new kind of invention concept. I've heard only of a couple companies doing it, but, uh, I've experienced it once or twice and I was blown away by that experience for people who don't know what a sound bed is. You know, how would you describe it and, and, you know, what's the company uh, that you're working with to create these experiences? Yeah, so the company is called InHarmony and um, basically we have three different products. There's a bed that's like the size of a twin bed mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of curvy, like ergonomic, really comfortable to lay on. Mm-hmm. And inside the bed, there's four, it's called tactile transducers. So they're kind of like, it looks like a speaker almost. Um, and they're attached to the bed, like, like along, you know, the, mid, the, the middle part of the bed. So you lay on it and it basically only vibrates sub frequencies, like anything from mm. 300 Hertz and below, which is all like sub information. Yeah. Uh, and then you wear headphones, which gives you the, the mid and the high information. So, and then you wear blindfolds with it. So what you get is an experience where you're encapsulated in this sound and kind of vibratory experience where like the music is just kind of playing throughout your whole body you're yeah. hearing it, your eyes are closed. So you're kind of like in this little cocoon of, uh, you know, healing frequencies we do. Uh, so I actually, that this is mostly my part, my full-time job is working with this company mm-hmm. and, uh, producing the music for their app. So I'll, I'll make Solfeggio frequency tracks, um, 432, um, chakra tuning. Um, nice. And, and yeah, and then, so we have a, we have a meditation cushion that you can sit on that vibrates vertically. And then we have a practitioner mat, which you put on top of a massage table for like people that do like body work, um, who want, who want to give their clients like a vibratory experience, which I've done Mm -hmm. uh, actually on ketamine, which is, which I can get into. And one of my most profound ketamine therapy sessions, Mm -hmm. uh, was on the practitioner mat while it was vibrating, just like Parangi, like (laughs) Costa Rica bass, like a Taya was like playing through it. It was just the most extraordinary body session I've ever had in my life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a gist of what it's about. Wow. Yeah. That's wild, man. It's, it feels like a all new invention, but it is coming out of the medicine space. Um, because it does have this like healing quality to it. I think I've been only been on demos. They weren't like fully like ready, like, um, commercial ready products when I've been on Mm. the sound beds. But uh, I definitely got the effect. And uh, some people might be familiar with what's called a sub pack, um, which is kind of this little backpack you put on, but it like it vibrates the sub frequencies. It's like that, but you lay down and mm-hmm. it pretty much vibrates your entire body, not just your back, you know? Right. Um, is yeah, that thing? Woozer is the other one. A woozer? Woozer. Woozer is like the other sub pack. Woozer, got it. I haven't heard of that one yet. Um, when you said that one that sits on top of a massage table, is that like a blanket or is it, is it like just a lay down, uh, like panel type thing? So it, it looks like a massage table. It's like the, it's like the massage table without the legs. So like folds in half and you like unfold it on top of a massage table. Uh, so it has, it has a little face cut out so you can put your face in it. Got it. Uh, but that, that's the older model. The newer, the new one is, is like fully has the legs built into it and, has like Bluetooth now and all these upgrades. Got it. Damn. That's awesome. Sometime so I, when, actually, uh, I was going to oh, say, sorry. I need a demo. One of y'all's, um, next time we're hanging out. If yeah, I was going to say, accessible. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You got to come over and try it. Yeah. I would love to. I'd love to. Yeah. I, I actually put the practitioner mat in my bed and I, I sleep on it like nightly. Uh-huh. It actually helps me fall asleep. Wow. So, yeah. Dude, that's epic. 
I'll have to try it. Um, yeah, you mentioned ketamine a minute there ago, uh, and uh, I know you know we can get into like just what your general perspective is on it and the experiences that it elicits. But I know as well you had quite an intense journey with it. Um, we can maybe get into as well because uh, yeah. yeah, you told me about it one time. I think we were sitting at one of the events, and you were like, "Dude." some wild shit happened. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, how did, what was your introduction to, to ketamine and what were those initial experiences like before we get into the big, the big one? Yeah. My introduction to it was only not even a couple of years ago, barely, mm-hmm. uh, in Vegas. Um, friend of mine, you know, has been doing it for like 20 plus years. Um, kind of a veteran in that space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just took me through my first journey and, Um, it was definitely interesting, very profound in a lot of ways. Also like a little bit scary because like new and kind of lost control of my body for a sec, but it was, it was definitely really cool. Um, my, my personal experience with it that I've noticed is I can't, I can't do it and just like socialize with people. Like some people can, like some people can just like rock it at a party and just like hang and like talk. And so (laughs) I I literally can't do that. My, my mouth will just start like melting and I'll start just speaking gibberish. So I I notice I enjoy it the most when I want to go like internal or just like sit like in a meditative space and like go inward. Mm -hmm. That's when I really enjoy it. Otherwise I can't really function and I'm amazed at people that do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I did it like a handful of times, like on a small level. Um, my first kind of big dose experience was on that practitioner, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, he was like a huge bodybuilder, like ripped as, as fuck. Um, he put me on the practitioner, mat, and he gave me an intermuscular, so through my arm. And that was my first like really deep experience where I was just like in a portal for like an hour and a half. He was like bending my body around like a pretzel. Uh, <laughs> again, just like listening to bass music throughout the whole table. Just It was extraordinary. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, for two, two or three weeks after that session, I slept like a baby. Like, I, mm-hmm. like my mind was silent. I felt stillness. It was incredible. Yep. Um, so... Now leading up to the biggest, the biggest experience that was pretty fucking scary. Yeah. And, uh, in hindsight, wouldn't have been so scary if I knew that I was going to go as deep as I did. So I worked at EDC, um, last May, this last May for three Mm -hmm. days straight up till sunrise, super tired. So when I came home, I, I have the, I have this ketamine from mind bloom, which if you, any people don't know what mind bloom is, it's an at home ketamine therapy. Um, you can talk to a physician, they'll mail you a kit and you can self guide yourself through ketamine journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, pretty awesome. So I had some, uh, uh, what do they call it? Lozengers or yeah, like the mouth tro- caps? Troche, lozenge. Yeah. Yeah. The lozenge. So I, my intention was to decompress from the EDC experience and lay on the sound bed yeah. and relax and take, take some ketamine. Um, like six months before that I took, I, I ate one whole tablet tablet and I swallowed it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I noticed when I let it sit in my mouth, it wasn't really affecting me that much. So I had mm-hmm. to swallow the tablet and then I actually got an experience. So what happened was this, this time after EDC, I'm laying in my bed for some reason, I thought I, t- I swallowed two tablets, mm-hmm. uh, in the past. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take two. So I swallowed two, which mm-hmm. was already way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, later like days realized like, Oh, it was actually one back in like January. Uh, so that was the first thing. And then yeah. I had, I had Kratom that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't figure out until like two or three days after this journey that I'll get into more of, yeah. um, that Kratom and ketamine are a really d- dangerous combination. Oh, wow. And, um, it not only slows down the metabolism of ketamine, but it also intensifies it. So mm-hmm. basically, you're, you're getting a more intense and longer experience than you would. Uh, so what happened was I took, I took the ketamine. I laid down. Ten minutes later, I started like kind of dissolving into myself and, and started feeling like this is a lot stronger than I was planning on. Like the last time I did it, it was like with chill and I was just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. vibing. Uh, I started kind of like dissolving into myself and feeling like my breath disappear and like crazy shit like that. And I started yelling for my wife, Gloria, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like barely able to talk and I'm hollering for her and she comes downstairs. And basically what I remember from that point is like seconds later, I, I roll off the bed, I'm on the ground and I'm basically flopping around like a, like a dead fish for like two hours straight. Damn. Um, and 
oof, I almost, I almost kind of like, I can relive it by describing it in so much detail, but yeah. um, real, reality just kind of collapsed in on itself, like over and over again. And um, everything I knew about myself had completely just erased, like dissolved. Mm-hmm. Um, the house I was living in at the time, um, my wife, everything I knew about myself felt like a, like 200 year memory, like a distant memory in my past. Damn. Um, and what I was seeing was basically like a thousand Alex Gray painting, like kaleidoscopes, just like mashing to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually reached to the point of ego death. Um, I, I got to a point where I felt myself like dying, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I felt myself like just give into it. And like, cause I was wrestling it so intensely. I finally said, fine, just fuck it. And I crossed over to this point where I thought I died. And I was just like Damn. floating. I was just kind of floating into this. Like, I felt like I was just a spirit kind of floating around and yeah. nothingness. Um, so anyways, <laughs> pretty intense. Uh, I heard a very distant voice in the background say, do you want me to call 911? And I just shook my head like intensely. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Um, so again, I saying that much detail, like in hindsight, if I knew I was going to go that deep, yeah. I might've had a different experience. But I thought in my head I was going to have a, like a mild, like microdose, chill decompression. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's because I didn't know and I didn't know how far it was going to go. I literally thought I was going to die or that I did die. Yep. Um, so, you know, paramedics came, checked me out, said I was totally fine. I remember like seeing them and they were just like fuzzy images. I couldn't see what their faces looked like. And, wow. you know, so in total, it was about a four hour experience of being just disassociated from reality it's pretty wild damn so those uh lozenges do you know what the dosage was on each one uh 250 milligrams so i took 500 milligrams okay that makes more sense as to why that was such a dramatic experience you know 500 jesus you know i'm glad you're good but I, i do know it's relatively safe um you know they use that amount to put people under uh, and like doctor settings and whatnot. So, uh, but to, to not expect it for sure would be a massive surprise. Um, I yeah, guess you know, you're like, you're basically wrestling, you're like wrestling with it. You're like trying to yeah. like, you're fighting this experience when I can, if I planned on it, I would have totally been in a meditative state, let it just like happen. Yeah. But I was like, what's happening, what's happening. And it's just getting more tight <laughs> mm-hmm. and freak anybody out probably. Yeah, I'm sure. Damn, that's wild. Well, I'm glad you're good, dude. I'm sure that's that was yeah. a, an intense journey, man. Um, yeah, no one wants to have a paramedic people come in on your psychedelic experience. I mean, it sounds like you handled it okay, though, because uh, I've heard really bad trip reports that end up, people end up in the hospital for weeks or worse, the freaking mental <laughs> mental hospital <laughs> shit. You yeah, know, like psychotic breaks. Yeah, it can yeah. happen. It's wild. It's wild. Um, so you think that, you know, the kratom you took earlier in the day, that just made it even more intense as far as... We like, out. And it made it longer, too, because it seems like ketamine usually lasts like an hour and a half at the most. Mm-hmm. So, so four hours yeah, is was, probably hours, a product yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I looked up online. I finally found the answer, and it, it said anything from coma um, to death can occur from mixing the two too much. I, I didn't have that much Kratom luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of hours apart from the ketamine. So if I had the Kratom like right before, who knows how intense it w- much more it would have been. Yeah. Um, but on the positive side, I definitely feel like I faced death and I, and I feel like I genuinely accepted what death feels like. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it kind of brought me a lot of peace. Um, Cause I feel like after that experience, nothing about me felt like terrified to ever do that again or like go there again. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel traumatized in that way. It just yeah. felt really scary during the experience. So that's right. just an important distinction. Cause you know, some people might be like, I'll never touch that again. Or I'm just like staying away from that forever. Right. Um, I didn't feel that cause I knew what happened and I knew that it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so it brought me a lot of peace with death, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. You, you mentioned, uh, traveling through the Alex Gray paintings. Um, I definitely get similar things, which I think is not common or at least not commonly known that 
ketamine can be so visionary, you know, like people. Absolutely. Yeah. They think of it as a, a disassociative, which that's almost even hard to imagine what's going to happen. Like dis- disassociate. What does that even mean? You know, in my experience, what, what disassociatives do and what it means is, you know, you're associated with your surroundings because you get used to them. So in your own house, you almost don't see your own house because you're so associated with it. When you become Mm -hmm. quote unquote disassociated, you can see your own house in this kind of new way. Um, And it's, it's so, it it almost feels like a new place, you know, like for Mm -hmm. myself, my first couple experiences with cannabis were disassociative. Like Hmm. I would walk out to the patio, smoke a bong when I'm like 19 years old, come back in the house and be like, this is my house. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? You just see everything different. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Everything just feels different. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you'd walk around and just be like, Whoa, this is, this is my desk. Like, it feels brand new. Like I've never even seen it before. And that's kind of what it means to be disassociated is that, you know, your association with it isn't in the forefront of your perception. Um, mm, so what is it? What if, what if it is really that you're always disassociated, but like smoking cannabis or doing something else actually makes you present to what's in front of you. Like you right. actually notice like the, this thing like that you're looking at mm-hmm. way different, you know, more presently. That is why I say that I almost feel like sober reality is more of a hallucination because Hmm. we we kind of get into this, I don't know, this like this state of unawe, you know, like we're not awed by what's happening. In fact, we're bored by it. It's like 100% (laughs) everything is boring, even though we've got all the fucking best things in the world. We could have been born in a third world country barely surviving you know or and we're here in america and you know like got all this air conditioning all this great technology and yet we're still sitting around complaining that's Mm -hmm. why i think psychedelics are helpful to show you what a freaking blessing it is to live Mm. this 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 life and have this level of comforts available have this level of food accessible um connection with people you know it's so easy to take even our friends and family for granted when you're Mm -hmm. so quote-unquote associated that all you do is pick apart like things you don't like about them or whatever but you know psychedelics show me the opposite side of the coin which is like to be grateful and to look at the the cup um, half full instead of half empty um yeah all the time uh or at least as much as you can and you know a spiritual a daily spiritual practice definitely helps me stay in touch with that, whether it's like meditation or sauna or ice bath or even just music and dance. Um, it can yeah. help, you know, elevate our consciousness to the point that we can be in gratitude um, much more frequently. Um, yeah. How would you say psychedelics have changed your life from you know, from the first times you used it to even through this experience that you just described where it was pretty much a near-death experience. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you touched on a lot of, like, really beautiful points on the awestruck of, just being awestruck of of life. Um, I actually wrote a song years ago called The Advantage of Awe, like, Mm -hmm. and it came from this video I saw about the, it was called The Advantage of Being Awestruck. Mm I feel like, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, man. Like, like, like psychedelics have basically just shown me the beauty, the utter beauty that existence can be. And that it, that is Mm -hmm. beyond this current perception that I'm able to perceive right now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also an extremely powerful teacher in that it can be so easy to want to keep seeking those experiences. And like once you have a really mind blowing, you know, consciousness expanding experience, a normal life can look dull and, and kind of, you know, like you said, it can get boring really fast. And that's kind of the, mm-hmm. uh, the dance that people like you and I, people that are in the space of exploring the outer reaches of our mind, we have to like, it comes with a, it comes with a slight burden or a, or a, a equal kind of contrast, which means you have to balance that. Like you said, like meditate every day and have that spiritual practice, yeah. um, which is something that I'm reminded by 
all the freaking time. Like I have to always remind myself, like I'm not as good as I want to be with the spiritual practices. I do meditate like probably half the week. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get that more to like daily. Yeah. Um, because I find myself constantly seeking some kind of a state change. Like I always want like tobacco, you know, even, mm-hmm. even at the lowest level or yeah. uh, some kind of thing to change my, to, to make life seem more interesting and more exciting. Right. Um, so for me, it's, it's just, I, I'm always in the dance of balancing the two and like, how can I enjoy this reality, this human experience that I chose and I'm here now, mm-hmm. how can I enjoy that soberly and, and use medicines intentionally, um, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's what my journey has been. It's just been a back and forth of, of balancing the two. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a little tip and you might already know this, but maybe not everyone listening does, but, um, one of the best ways to start to integrate like a daily meditation practice is to set a place in your home to be the spot that you meditate. Um, and then, you know, make a little altar, you know, put a little cushion there have some incense right there, create this little portal for yourself to return to over and over again. Because if you don't have like a, a spot for it and you're just kind of, well, I'll meditate here in the car, I'll meditate here in my bedroom or I'll meditate over here on the couch. It's so much easier to not be consistent with the practice. But when you return to a spot repeatedly, 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 it could even be the same spot in your yard. It doesn't have to be inside, but it's like, mm. this is my meditation spot, you know, by choosing that spot um, and returning to it over and over and over again, it becomes like a habit in that way of, you know, even just, you don't even have to think to yourself, I'm going to go meditate. You think I'm going to my spot. And when you get to the spot, you know what to do, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, a little yeah, it's almost like I, I've done, I've done it before actually in, in one spot. And it's, it's interesting how your mind, when you've done it for like a couple months, like straight, mm-hmm. you're like, as you approach the spot to go meditate, like it's like, it's so familiar with that environment that you can drop into the space a lot quicker. I, yeah. I feel like I found, yep. which is really nice. Cause it's, I like agree. you said, it's like, it can be really fragmented when you're doing it in random places all the time. Yeah. And it's not to say you still can't be at the park or enjoying nature and have a little moment of meditation. You can meditate wherever we want, but right. doing it in the one spot is huge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That gets you into the practice. And then, you know, you start to have that daily tick of, you know, your midday and you haven't meditated yet. It's like, oh, like I've, I need to get that accomplished. And if you're not near your spot, yes, you can, you can do it anywhere. I mean, I meditate for just 30 seconds sometimes when I'm sitting at a red light, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. um, yeah, you could definitely do it anywhere. And, uh, as well, I'll just say, you know, guys don't feel like you have to do an hour to, for it to be productive. I mean, even five minutes, 10 minutes a day has mm-hmm. an effect significantly. It really, in my mind, what meditation does is it clears the cash, um, yeah. of the day up to that point or the week or the month or whatever it is so that you can start to like get fresh energy into the, the body, fresh ideas spurring. Um, and as well, there's a, a one more small technique and hack for meditation, which is keep n- a, a note nearby or like a, a pen and a uh, pen and paper because what happens in a lot of our meditations is we'll remember to do something that we've forgotten Oh, or we'll remember like, oh, I, I left my uh, my laundry in the washing machine and I didn't put it in the dryer. And there could be like, now you're just thinking about this and you got on this cycle. If you go write down, just quickly write the note, you can let your mind settle again back into the meditation and, and it's off your mind now that you've written the note. And when you come out of your meditation, you can you know, mark the things off. <laughs> it's so easy yeah, to get distracted because those tabs. Yes. A thousand percent. You know, the tabs is a great way to, to put it. Mm. Well, dude, to get into this kind of last leg of the conversation, um, we talked about talking about, um, the sound of sacred. Mm-hmm. So tell us what, well, what is the sound of sacred? Uh, you know, what's the, the origin of, of that project and what is it you're trying to do with it? Yeah, for sure. So the sound of sacred is something that, um, originally Gloria and I 
uh, came up with in Vegas last year, um, sitting around and thinking about like what, just having a conversation of what we want to do in the space of sound healing. And um, just kind of like, we, we talked about this idea of creating an umbrella, like what's the umbrella that can really just bring in all the like amazing forces that are out there that are doing the things that we're about, like healing music, you know, microtonal frequencies, that kind of stuff. Um, from sound healing to DJing at, at 432 or 528 or whatever. Um, and just feeling, just getting the inspiration of that conversation of what that could look like. And, uh, we just came up with that name. We started throwing names around. And when I said sound is sacred, that one just really clicked. Um, and then we started doing, when we moved to Austin, Texas, we started doing ecstatic bass, which is the event we met you at, uh, which is a two hour bass, uh, journey, uh, DJ set that goes into an hour long sound healing. Uh, so that's, those events have been, become the very first events for the sound of sacred. Um, but starting next year, we, we've, we're taking a little pause right now so we can kind of cultivate what that vision wants to look like. Uh, and essentially the vision is going to be just a hub, an umbrella for, for events, for retreats. Um, it's also, it also wants to be a label for high vibe sound healing medicine music across the board again, from DJ music, electronic to sound healing to ultra, you know, sacred type vibes. Um, and just kind of, I just want to kind of build the hub zone for that. I feel like uh, there, there are people doing it out there. Uh, and there's some that are really great. And I just, for some reason, feel really called to, be a part of that in, in my own way and kind of round up the people I see in the world. And I think the one that inspires me the most with Sound of Sacred is, is creating really high vibe, super safe events. Like yeah. when I say safe events, like where people can show up and feel really safe to be themselves, be who they are, partake or not partake in whatever substance they want to do. You know, you can, you can be as you are truly and um, create this like really high vibe kind of event experience. We did it once in Vegas and it was a total hit. Um, people loved it. They were blown away by it. I think that's actually what kind of started that conversation of like, how can we do this more and bring safe, dope, epic, life-changing events um, to the space? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Y'all are doing it. And um, yeah, Ecstatic Bass has quickly become, you know, one of my favorite events in Austin. So I can't wait for them to come back. And uh, as far as, yeah, the label, that's so fun to to have a label and to be a curator for it and i saw this quote later but i I did this thing and the what the quote that i saw later that made me realize that's what i had done was you know if there isn't a door build one and so for myself i wanted so bad for some reason you know to be a part of a label a roster to be alongside musicians that I felt aligned with that were maybe emanating from a similar space or were mm-hmm. wanting to cultivate a similar ethos. And, right. um, you know, I credit psychedelics for opening my mind enough to, to, to see that most limitations that were set by myself, you know what I mean? It's like, no one's mm. limiting. Reality isn't limiting me. I'm limiting myself and what I believe I can do and what I'm capable of. So, when psychedelics kind of yeah showed me that um that was the beginning of time wheel and it was one of the best most rewarding things i ever decided to do and you know i've met so many people connected with so many like-minded artists um visual artists as well you know because as part of a label Mm -hmm. part of what you're doing is getting album art um squared away for artists if they don't know artists that that can do the album art or maybe they, they're not proficient in Photoshop or whatever it might be um, mm. to to put their logos on it and, you know, put the album titles on it and stuff. Um, there's, yeah, it's, and then of course, the most fun and most fulfilling part is like the community events where it's like, you know, Time Wheels throwing an event or the Sound of Sacred's throwing an event and you get to bring the artists together to be with like-minded people, but also the community as in the participants to enjoy this, this curation. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you exist (laughs) and time wheel exists. Like I'm so glad that you went out there and and made that door and opened that door. Um, Cause I see you doing such amazing things in the, in the community, in the space and uh, putting light on a, on a lot of talent that otherwise wouldn't have it. 
And I, I've talked to people that have released through you that would way rather release on your SoundCloud page than Spotify and like go out the like traditional route mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. you're curating such a like distilled like group of people. Totally. And it's awesome, man. It's really cool to see. Damn. I appreciate it, man. And this is very much a new space. Like totally. this medicine-based stuff. Like I mean, there might have been a handful of artists a decade ago doing it and now so many of us um, are being called to this for so many good reasons. And mm-hmm. it's what's great is it's healthy and it's uplifting, you know, because like the, the frequencies themselves have like a healing tonality, but also a lot of times the messages and the lyrics, um, they're uplifting, they're hopeful, they're not feeding into fear and doubt and jealousy and all this stuff that, you know, the mainstream music, whether it's rock or rap uh even pop you know it's like drilling into your subconscious is be angry be ungrateful like fuck everyone you're the best you know like all this. yeah <laughs> for sure yeah. yeah yeah i'm glad to be you know cultivating a more positive programming you know because that's what all this content's doing you know whether it's the podcast you listen to or the youtube videos you watch or the music that you enjoy it 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 puts programming down into our subconscious that does alter the way that we move around and think about things. And mm. that was one of the biggest things that I took away from my initial psychedelic experiences was like, be careful what you let into your brain, you know, whether it's, it's even just the news, you know, like, of course, I want to be relatively informed, but to sit around yeah, listening to bad news. stories all day. Hell no that's just going to feed into fear, you know, and what we think about, we bring about. And if you're thinking about all this bad shit going on in the world, like more of that shit's being attracted to you. And, you know, I don't want to be ignorant, but there's also a level of responsibility that we have to not like overindulge in the fear and in the negativity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting about bass music and especially the like really dark kind of like heavy, like bass music Mm -hmm. that I tend to like gravitate towards the most is it it has this way of tapping you into the shadow kind of space or like the dark, like realm, I guess you could say Mm -hmm. in like a healthy way, like helps you channel it. Like that is something about that music. When you see it live, it just does something to you where you can kind of lean into the darkness of it, but it's like not a bad thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because light, light and dark is, is the same. It's like, they're both equally to be respected, the yin and the yang. It's not, a, it's not about avoiding dark at all costs. And there's something about the dark dubstep bass music that, that gives you an outlet and a channel to experience the shadow and the dark and the grimy that feels healing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a positive experience, which is fucking amazing. And I'm so happy yeah. it exists. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah, I'm grateful too to have been exposed to, you know, what's called shadow work through a number of podcasters that I listen to, uh, mainly like Third Eye Drops and Eric Godsey. Um, These guys really talk about like understanding what the shadow is and not being afraid of it, but rather integrating it because so much of what we look at in other people as things you don't like we don't even know that it's something about ourselves that we don't like and we're projecting it out. Yeah. Know? And if you leave that, if you leave that shit unchecked for yeah. a, lo- a long enough time, mm. it'll start turning into some ugly shit. A thousand that you don't percent. Want, thousand percent. Whether physical or mental or whatever. Yep. Have you ever heard of or done this practice called internal family systems, IFS? Yeah, dude, that's so funny. You say that I, uh, I just started seeing therapy like a month ago and I've heard about IFS for a long time and I've been dying to do it. And the, and the therapist that I'm seeing just so happens to be like doing IFS work. Mm-hmm. So I'm like just now getting into it. Yeah. Which I think it's phenomenal. It is. It is because you get to the root of so many of the things that bug us and mm-hmm. we understand why now, you know, like I've had a number of those IFS ceremonies are, are, not really ceremonies, but it felt like a ceremony <laughs> if I'm being yeah. honest. Um, <laughs> sessions, yeah. Sessions, yeah, that that I healed so many of the things that would bring me stress and anxiety. And um, one metaphor I would use to say what it does is it, it there's a knot, kind of like how we get knots in our muscles, but yeah. it, you know, it's in your psyche. And you're mm. able to knead that knot out of your psyche and it become... Mm free of it. And it's not like maybe it 
gets a little knotted again and you need to do a little work on it again. It's not like maybe you're free from it forever, but now that you know how to massage it and how to address mm. it, it freaking, you can get out of these negative cycles that we get caught in, in our, in our brains so easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can confidently say without a doubt that like, Almost a hundred percent of all the world's suffering and problems, anybody's problems comes from five years old or like mm-hmm. se- first seven years of life. Yeah. Like pre pre faculty. I, 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 that's literally the core of every fucking problem and suffering that we all go through. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wild. It is. It's wild, man. And, uh, yeah, I can't speak too much to it because I'm not really an IFS therapist. So I don't want to sit around and pretend like, I can tell someone how to do it, but I, I would urge people to, if you're dealing with intense anxiety or intense depression, find and try it out. Try IFS therapy out because uh, it might not be for you. I don't think there's one fix for every single person, but um, it can do some magical stuff. And for myself, it has just helped freaking dramatically. So I'm, I'm glad that you're testing it out let me know how it goes later down the line once you've tried a couple more sessions <laughs> yeah no for sure man yeah, i mean just hearing you talk about it makes me think of i can already think of like things from my past that i'm like oh yeah that shit isn't healed yet yeah that's mm-hmm. causing me anxiety today like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's just the, the work never ends <laughs> i know yeah just never ends yeah but it does get better you know it does it, get better. It, well yeah always gets better yeah. But it never ends. And right. that, it's not a bad thing. Like, we know we're always growing. If we're not growing, we're dying, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Amen, man. Well, okay. that was an awesome pod, brother. Where can uh, people connect with you to learn more? Any websites or, or handles? And uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Instagram, you can do home, H O H M underscore music. Uh, we'll get you there. And uh, website is homemusic.com. And, uh, that's the two. And then, uh, home music on SoundCloud. If you want to hear some, uh, recordings, I'm going to be uploading some sound healings, uh, some more DJ, uh, some sets, recorded sets that I have. I got like five or six. I need to get polished. Uh, so look out for that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. And thank you once again, Anthony, for being here today. Awesome, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Super pleasure. Absolutely.